follow me, Jesus says, and it will only cost you your career, your wealth, your future, your family, and even your life. Who among us is ready to sign up for that? Jesus begins his ministry by calling some of the disciples. First, it's Simon and Andrew, and then it's James and John. The gospel tradition, it seems, wants us, a new generation of would-be disciples, to recognize what is being asked of us before we commit to following Jesus. Simon and Andrew are in the boat, casting their net into the sea, And Jesus calls out to them, beckoning them to follow him. And immediately they drop their net to answer his call. And in so doing, they give up their career, their livelihood, and the security that it has provided for them and for their family. A little farther down the road, Jesus calls out to the sons of Zebedee, James and John, who are in the boat with their father, mending the nets. Like the first pair of disciples, they respond immediately by putting down their work and leaving behind their father, their family, and their filial responsibility. Only the hired hands, a symbol rich with layers of relational distance and incomplete commitment, are left to help their father. When we hear this gospel lesson, we confront the magnitude of what we must give up in order to follow Jesus. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me, Jesus says a little later on in Mark's gospel account. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will find it. That costly truth is evident not only as the disciples' commitment to Jesus matures, but even from the very beginning, from that first moment when they decide to follow him. But this gospel encounter reminds us that following Jesus is not only about what we leave behind, but also about what we take with us. How was Jesus this itinerant preacher just beginning his work, how was he able to woo these followers with just a few words? Perhaps Jesus had spent more time than we realize building a reputation for himself, but in addition to that possibility, there is tremendous power in the invitation that he offers these people. Jesus we are told, came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Jesus doesn't say that the time will come soon. Nor does he tell us that the kingdom is just around the corner. Jesus announces that God's time is already perfected and that God's reign is already here. 
He doesn't ask his followers to trust that with a little patience, in time, they will reach their destination. Instead, he asks them to believe that their ultimate fulfillment has already arrived. He invites them and invites us to see that in him the fullness of God's reign has already come and that now it's up to us to bring our whole lives with us into that reign. Notice that when Jesus speaks to Simon and Andrew, he does not tell them to quit being fishermen, but promises to make them fish for people. He calls them to bring their trade, their vocation with them into the kingdom of God. And when he calls James and John, he doesn't ask them to forget the family they leave behind, but as Mark's gospel account shows, they continue to be known throughout the life and ministry of Jesus as the sons of Zebedee. As disciples, their whole identity, even their family name, belongs to the kingdom of God. In committing to follow Jesus, these disciples do not simply forsake their previous lives. They bring their earthly identities with them in order that their entire lives might be devoted fully to the reign of God. And if we see in Jesus what those first disciples saw, then our response must be the same. Our decision to follow Jesus is not simply a decision to give up our wealth, to let go of our career, to leave behind our family, and to sacrifice our dreams for the future. When we choose to follow Jesus, we bring all of those things with us, our money, our jobs, our relationships, our hopes, and our expectations, and we devote them to the kingdom of God. Being a disciple requires great sacrifice. But we are not called to sacrifice all those things that we love, but to sacrifice the illusion that any part of our lives belongs outside the reign of God. One of the things I value most about the Episcopal Church and our life at St. Paul's is our understanding of the church's mission. We do not measure the success of our ministry in terms of the number of souls that we have rescued from hell and promised to heaven. In other words, we are not focused on establishing an escapist cult whose members care only about being whisked away from this planet and drawn up into a mythical paradise. Instead, we pursue and we proclaim the presence of God's reign in the world here and now, all among us. Our mission is to restore unity between all people and God and to one another through Jesus Christ. That mission means living fully in the kingdom of God and inviting others to join us in that kingdom, not somewhere else, but right here. But one of the biggest challenges of our tradition is remembering that it's not our job to make God's kingdom come. Our job is to follow Jesus into the kingdom that he has already established on the earth. To that end, as Jesus' disciples, we are still learning about, still being formed for a life that belongs wholly within the reign of God. 
As strange as it may sound, we are not called to do good works in our community. We are not called to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and care for the needy and lift up the downtrodden. Instead, we are called to follow Jesus into that kingdom where there is no hunger, no poverty, and no oppression. And when we fully belong to that kingdom, when our whole lives become a part of God's reign, then no one will go to sleep hungry or cold or alone or forgotten. If the invitation that Jesus were offering us today was to try our very best to make the world a better place, I dare say that would not be good enough to justify giving up our jobs, our wealth, our families, and our lives. We might give part of it, part of ourselves to that work, but surely not the whole thing, because we've seen over and over again that no amount of goodwill on our part will make the world the place God wants it to be. But in Jesus Christ, God has already done that work for our sake. In Jesus, God has already brought God's reign to the earth. In the birth and death and resurrection of God's Son, God has already lifted up the lowly and filled the hungry with good things. That's the reign into which Jesus calls us. That's the life into which Jesus invites us to bring everything we've got. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Believe in the good news. Good news so good that we would give everything we've got in order to be a part of it.